Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller, and I am the founder at the Miller Law Group and a trainer at the Center for Understanding in Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Britt Baker. She is a Harvard Business School graduate, an expert investor with over 10 years of experience, and a money mindset coach. She's on a mission to serve those who have traditionally been left out of the financial world, and she does so by bringing a step-by-step approach to saving and investing. Through her company, Dow Janes, she and her co-founder, Ann have helped over 8,000 women pay off debt fast, set up long-lasting money systems, and invest for the first time. Britt believes that everyone deserves the confidence, clarity, and peace of mind that comes with having your finances handled. Welcome, Britt Baker. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, when people are getting divorced, not surprisingly, money is a big issue for them. And it's kind of a paradigm shifting. Like it's a a difference in the way that people think. They've gone from being a partnership with a division of labor when it comes to money, among other things, and they're going to being two more independent people. And that's often a struggle. And so how do people do you think, think about money and themselves, you know, as they think about partnership about themselves? Yeah, you know, we work with a lot of women actually on the other side of divorce. So they've kind of made the decision to divorce and then find themselves having to manage their finances on their own for the first time. And it's a big shift mentally to really overcome that that confidence gap. You know, often women hand over the reins to their partners to manage the finances. And now for the first time, they're having to do it all themselves. And so the biggest, the biggest mindset piece that we see is really helping women believe in themselves and that they can do this, that it's not as hard or as daunting as it may seem. Yeah, I think that's a really big, good point. And, you know, a lot of times women think they're not good at math, right? And math is definitely related to money because it comes in numbers, right? And so I think, I mean, I I think that's not necessarily true or necessarily fair about women and math, but I think that a lot of times it feels, it does feel really daunting. I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, that women often think about finances as if it were like calculus or algebra or something that, that feels really hard. And the reality, the truth about most finances, it's it's simple arithmetic. It is, you know, fourth grade math, not not college age math. And often calculators and spreadsheets to do it for you. So it really, once you get into it, is not as scary as it seems. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And even as I was saying that, I was thinking, yeah, but it's pretty simple math, right? It's adding and subtracting (laughs) for the most part. And maybe there's some... Those fractions are, you know, maybe you have to think about like amortizing or what compound interest means, but the, it's absolutely easy to find that on the on the internet. So mm-hmm. I know that you talk about a money persona. So tell us what a money persona is. 
Yeah. So your money persona is how you think and feel and relate to money. And your money persona is often, whether you realize it or not, subconscious and usually inherited from the people who raised you. So how your mom or your dad related to money is often how you will then relate to money. And people have these beliefs and associations that they don't even realize that they have. One way to discover it is we have this exercise where people fill in the blank, where we ask them a bunch of questions and we, we ask them to answer it really quickly. So money is blank. You know, millionaires are blank. Women with money are blank. And you just realize, you know, when it's done quickly, what your, your go-to associations are. And it helps you kind of realize the story you're telling yourself when it comes to money. And rewriting that is the first step having a healthy financial life. Because if you're someone who thinks that, you know, women with money are evil or whatever your story is, or yeah, whatever your story is, that will then keep you from creating the future that you really want, or that would be much easier for you financially. Well, you know, I'm really intrigued by that idea because I think it's very true. And how do you think that fits into marriage and divorce, if people have different money personas, they're not aware of them, right? Mm-hmm. So they so mm-hmm. they just have different assumptions about what money means and what being a millionaire means or what various things mean. Do you think that that is a problem when they don't match? Uh, you know, it's not necessarily a problem if they don't match, but it's a problem if they don't you know, realize where they're coming from. You know, you know, one person in the partnership may want to make a lot of money because that gives them, you know, meaning and purpose. And the other might, you know, want to take a vow of poverty. And if, you know, it's not going to cause conflict if they talk about it and where it's coming from and really address that that's the root of who they are. But it comes, it causes problems when it's not talked about and it's just operating kind of underneath and kind of affecting things without coming into into error conversation. Is that something that you help people do? Because I, we have a process for prenups where we, we call hmm. it the romantic prenup, where this is exactly the kind of thing we ask people to talk through. What are their relationship to credit? How do they feel about educational spending? How do they feel about all of these different things? Because I think it's the kind of thing that isn't necessarily talked about when preparing for a marital partnership and is super important to not again, as you point out, not necessarily agree, but at least discuss. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. I love the idea of a romantic prenup, and I love that you have a process for taking people through. We have a similar. We have a workshop called Managing Finances in Partnership, and it's similar. It's you know, it's asking each other questions. It's even if you're not getting on the same page, you understand where each other is coming from. And then there are things that are really important to make agreements on. For instance, if you decide to share your finances, is there a dollar amount of a purchase of which if it's over that amount, you agree to consult the other person before you make that purchase? And those are just kind of basic agreements that if without those could cause a lot of tension or fights or arguments. Um, And so deciding together what that number is going to be and then agreeing to ask the other person before you make, say, a $500 purchase. So I want to just highlight what you just said. If you decide to share your finances, and I think a lot of listeners might be thinking, well, isn't that what marriage is, right? Where you share your finances. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. And this is another part of the workshop is 
deciding how you want to do it. So some people just go all in, put all their finances together in one you know, checking account. And from then on, everything is shared. There's another way to do it, which is keeping everything separate. You know, I have my finances, you have yours, and then we share expenses. You know, we split everything. Or we split things not evenly. We split them based on our income level. And then there's kind of a middle version where we have some of our own accounts and then we have some shared accounts. And that's that's personally what I do with my husband. And there's, you know, (laughs) there's a lot of peace in doing it that way. It's kind of like I have my credit card. He has his credit card. We don't know what each other spends money on. We're responsible for our own expenses. And we have a shared, we have a joint account and a shared card for all of our our house and family expenses. So I think what you're saying is that it's a really good idea to have an explicit conversation about how it is that you're going to pay the bills and not just assume because in the romantic prenup process, this is one of the things that we discuss. Like, how are you actually going to do it? And it sounds like you do that in your workshops as well. Exactly. And it's so, so important to have these conversations ahead of time before they cause the, the tension and the arguments whenever possible. Absolutely. Because money is a big conflict point for couples and sometimes leads to divorce when they're not able to work them out. I want to mm-hmm. remind listeners that I'm Catherine Miller and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, bringing you the information and thoughtful dialogue that you need to divorce with dignity. And we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking with Britt Baker today about money and money personas. And so, you know, it's funny that people, I think money means so much in our society besides just a way to pay the bills, right? It's about success and power and the way we measure ourselves compared to our families of origins, our neighbors, and sometimes each other. So there's a lot of feelings that come around that, around money. And what what, mm-hmm. is, what is your experience of the difference between money facts and money feelings? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, just, you know, the number one thing for people to remember is that it's totally normal to have feelings about money. It doesn't have to just be the thing that you relate to as if it's, you know, totally separate from yourself. We all, we all have it. We have identities when it comes to money. We have shame. We have guilt. You know, it is, it is surrounded with tons of different complicated emotions and that is totally normal. And what's important as you're, you know, trying to either, you know, get your finances in order or, create a financial life for yourself post-divorce is remembering what to separate the money facts from the money feelings. And so as much as people can get really clear on the facts, so the fact is, you know, I have $25,000 in credit card debt. And to remember that that means nothing about you. That doesn't mean you're a terrible person. That doesn't mean you need to be ashamed. It doesn't mean that, you know, you aren't good at life or math. You know, it is just a fact that you are in debt. And, you know, a lot of the work that we do is helping people get over that feeling of shame and guilt and realize that you weren't taught these things in school. You likely weren't taught them by your parents. You likely don't even understand the cost of credit card debt. And that's okay. Things can change from here. You just have to start where you are. And so kind of allowing the feeling to be there but not letting them run the show when it comes to the fact or the reality of what your situation is. Because if you have $25,000 of credit card debt, your first priority is to pay off that credit card debt. And it's hard to do that from a place of shame. It's much easier to do that from a place of 
yes, that's the fact. And I still believe I'm a good person. You know, it's so interesting. You know, one of the things that we do right in the beginning of any divorce process or really pretty much any process is we try to measure the financial situation of the family. And and one of that is how people are spending money. And it's not just how much debt they have, but one thing that happens all the time is people apologize to me for the way they spend their money. Like, you know, (laughs) I, I know, you know what, I spend that on clothes. I know I'm sorry. And I think that you bring up so much of that feeling that money is, there's so much should that people put around that when they don't do it, there's shame and guilt. And that's really, really too bad. And and I think what you're mm-hmm. saying is, listen, if you can't spend that much on clothes or you have accumulated some credit card debt, then just make a plan to change it and don't try to avoid a sense of guilt and shame because you won't then address the problem that you have mm-hmm. if you have one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really hard to take action from a place of shame. Yeah. So how do you advise people to kind of change that? Because it's not just one of those things you can say, oh, yeah, I feel shame about that. No, I'm not going to feel that anymore. <laughs> you know, shame's <laughs> a toughie. Yeah, yeah. No, so part of the, you know, part of the work we do is we have a program called the Million Dollar Year, and a big piece of that is the community. And so when people decide to change their financial future, be it get out of debt or start investing and building wealth for the future, it helps to remember that they're not alone in this process. And there are plenty of people who have been in the exact same spot that they've been. And that that coupled with our reminders and our coaching that that this isn't their fault and it's okay and it's you know doesn't make them a horrible person those things start to add up you know they they write their new money persona they decide who they want to be when it comes to money and that can be totally different than who they've been when it comes to money and that really it all starts with healing you know the, the whole part of our program the first step is heal so it's looking at all of these things we've been talking about because that's what you have to do before, again, you can take any action on, on paying off the debt or getting invested. Do you have any stories of anyone you can, like examples of people who've changed their their perspective and, and made a difference in their lives with your program? Oh, my gosh. I have hundreds of examples. Um, let's see. I have one story of a member in our program who she, here's a great one. She was So her husband had managed the finances for their entire life and they had always had credit card debt their entire, you know, for like 30 years. And she felt kind of less than in the relationship, like didn't think, didn't really believe in herself enough to manage the finances and just kind of let her husband do it, even though he continued to keep them in credit card debt. And she joined our program, did the, you know, the first couple healing steps, started to really believe in herself again and have confidence. And, you know, we equip people with step-by-step instructions so they know exactly what they need to be doing. And she took the bold move of saying to her husband, I'm going to take over the finances. She took over the family finances. And for the first time in 30 years, they are completely debt-free. She paid off all of their debt. She created a family budget. She has five kids, managed to find a way to, you know, basically rein in the household budget. And the change in her, the way that she's showing up that I see her on the calls, you know, she just has so much light and life in her and confidence that comes from, you know, really just tackling this on her own. 
You know, that's so great, but it also sounds, I can imagine listeners thinking, well, how the heck did she do that? I mean, if they weren't, they had all that credit card debt, you know, what did she do to be able to pay off all that debt and pay for all those expenses of those kids? I've got five kids too, and I know that it's expensive to have that many kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's a way that people, there's a lot of unconscious spending that happens. You know, people just spend money on things because they've always done it that way and they've never really paused to, ask themselves, you know, is that really what I want to be spending money on? Or how, you know, just questioning how we're using money as a family, as a household. And so the first step in this we see all the time with people is that they they realize there are all of these expenses that they can just eliminate, that they haven't even, you know, tried before. So that's one area. Another way that people pay off debt quickly, and I'm I don't remember if this was the case for her is and this is really common with women, is that they have money sitting in a savings account and they think that they need it because that's, you know, keeping them safe and it's the this, this safety net. And often they have much more money than they need in a savings account and they're holding on to debt at the same time. And debt is way more expensive when it's, when it's credit card debt or that it's costing you way more when you have debt than, than it's gaining you by sitting in a savings account. And so one of the ways we teach people to get debt free really quickly is use a good portion of their savings to clear their debt because that's actually going to save them thousands of dollars down the line. That's a terrific hint. I'm Catherine Mettler, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30 and also available wherever you listen to podcasts as a podcast. And I'm talking with Britt Baker about money, money personas, and, and divorce. And so, Britt Baker, if people want to learn more about your programs, how can they do that or how can they contact you? Absolutely. Yeah. So DowJanes.com is our website and that has everything on it, our free investing class to kind of learn how to manage your money and learn more about our program. We have our program, The Million Dollar Year, which is what I've been referring to. It's our group coaching and curriculum program. And then we're pretty active on Instagram, Pinterest. We have an incredible YouTube channel, all of which you can find from our homepage, DowJanes.com. All right. That's super information. So it sounds like that dealing with your money and your feelings about money can actually maybe feel like self-care, like like going to the gym. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us about that. I mean, is that right? Tell us about that. Yeah, exactly. So we talk about, you know, managing your finances could is is self-care. And the way that it can start to feel like self-care is by bringing in, you know, ritual. And making it so instead of just taking care of your finances when you're paying bills or paying taxes and these kind of negative associations, start to associating money with a positive experience. So we have our members do what's called a weekly money ritual or a money date. And it's an hour a week where you are proactively paying attention to your finances. So you're either you know setting goals or setting up your automatic savings or reviewing your credit card transactions from the past week or entering your expenses into our tracker to, you know, say whether you, you know, when you spent that $30 at the store this week, did that feel, did you feel good, negative or neutral about that? And just kind of tracking your emotional relationship to your spending. And so really bringing in a positive experience. So it feels that someone once said, you know, Dow Jones is like a bubble bath for your money. <laughs> Like really bringing in that, you know, that tampering, you know, 
face mask kind of evening to taking care of your finances. Because ultimately, what you're doing when you take care of your money is really taking care of yourself and your well-being. You know, it's really interesting. And I'm going to tell you something that maybe doesn't make me look so good. But when I was younger, but to some extent still today, I would confuse money and calories. (laughs) So it was like, okay, well, if I was dieting, I could spend more money. (laughs) You know, that there'd be some. And so I I really get that sort of sense of self-care that it's it's taking care of something that needs to be taken care of in order to preserve your well-being. And so uh, mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, I want to go back to something else you said just a few minutes ago. I mean, I had a, I had a couple in mediation once, and I I made them go out and figure out how much they were spending on everything. And and this was a couple who was just making it, and they were just trying to find a way to be able to pay the bills living separately. Because of course, when you're living together, you have an economy of scale that makes it less expensive. And they came in, and and the husband said to me, you know what? I realized we're spending a fortune at Starbucks. And I'm just going to take my coffee, you know, to work in a thermos and it's going to save a ton of money. And so there are little savings when you look at it that aren't really sacrifices. It's just habit, right? Exactly. Yep. It's just habit. Yeah. Yeah. People get used to the convenience or doing it a certain way without really thinking about the impact of it. So I know you also talk about spending your money in alignment with your values. And I don't think that's going to be a surprise after everything that we've talked about today, but talk about how people can figure out what their values are and then spend their money in alignment with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first step of figuring out your values is really checking in with what matters to you. And you can sometimes either look at how you have spent money and when it's felt really meaningful to you as as evidence or as information as you're making this decision. So, you know, for me, I really love spending money on food experiences, on either really great food or memorable food experiences. And that matters to me so much more than buying things, buying like items or things that, you know, won't last as long or I'm I'm a minimalist. And so my values are much more around experiences than, than things. And so just noticing that about myself then helps me as I'm making spending decisions to really question what's in alignment. You know, another one is, you know, a big value of mine is the environment. And so really checking in on how am I spending money on you know, Amazon or you know, places where there's a lot of either like packaging or fossil fuel usage in the delivery or creation of that item. So really starting to bring in your values to a bigger, to basically play a role in your, how you're living your life in alignment. The other other thing we say is voting with your dollar. You know, just remember that every time you spend money, that's you making a vote on you know, what you care about, what you want to see more of in the world, how you, what you want to support with your hard-earned money. So, Britt Baker, I'm going to ask you to think about this in the context of divorce. You know, one of the things that people often fear when they're getting divorced is that they won't be able to do the things they want to do going forward. So if you were to think about a person getting divorced, you know, I always think about just measuring what everything costs so you can choose to allocate the resources you do have in a way that makes sense to you based on what you want to do and have the cost savings be in areas you care less about. So I think you're talking about for yourself, you like the food expense experiences and you also care about the environment. So you really want to allocate your 
dollars to support things you really enjoy and things you really believe in. So how could somebody start to do the thinking about that, especially under this kind of pressure of, oh my gosh, I'm going to have less? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, make the list of the of the need to have. What are those those essentials that when you don't, when you aren't, when you don't have those things in your life, you feel less like yourself and make those a priority in your budget. Say, okay, if I'm going to spend money on these things, which really matter to me, what then am I willing to eliminate? And if that's, you know, if the the need to have are just too big, (laughs) too big for your new monthly allotments, then you get to get creative and think about other ways to have that same experience, but on a smaller budget. And that's, you know, that's where the creativity comes in. But I would say, first and foremost, think about the things that really give you and your soul a lot of purpose and meaning and do what you can to hold on to those. And how could you use this discussion or these money discussions to, to take care of the future you? I mean, how do you think about the future? Because you want to be thinking about saving in some way, right? Even if you also want to pay off your credit card debt. Yeah. So when you think about future you, you're you're really thinking about you know the long term. So what is it that you want down the road? Do you want to do you want to be able to retire? And how many years? At what age? And for how many years? And what type of life do you want down the road? And it's really once you get into that vision, it's thinking about how. Uh, the sacrifices that you're making today are in the frame of that. And so then they feel less like sacrifices. So what pieces of advice in our last 30 seconds would you have for people facing divorce and thinking about their money? Yeah, to just really believe that you can do it yourself, that it's going to be okay. And uh, that know that there is, there is support and community and people, and this will actually could be better for you than it has been before. And that really believe in the hope for your own future. I think that's really terrific advice. And this is uh, Britt Baker, our guest on Divorce Dialogues, the co-founder of Dow Jane. Thank you, Britt. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.